This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What is going on, guys? My name is Hussein, and this is the third episode of Software Chat. Today's topic is distributed transactions. Some of you ask me, why this what is this thing distributed transaction and to be honest when i read the when i read that question what is distributed question a distribution transaction what is the saga thing and i didn't know anything about it right i read some articles talking about distributed transaction with within the context of google atomic clock and i know why it exists and this is then but i didn't know why in the vernacular, why does this technology exist and why do we need distribution transaction? What other solutions? So I spent some time doing some research. Uh, I'm going to reference all the videos I watched, all the articles I read to kind of summarize this for you. So in this video, I'm going to talk about distribution transactions. Why does it exist? Because I like always to start that. Any technology in software engineering exists for a reason. And if it exists... It solves a problem. What problems does it solve, right? And maybe the problem could happen to certain sector of so engineers, not everybody, right? That's why I like to address this problem. So like, like, do you really need distributed transaction? Well, what's your problem, right? That's, that's why I like to do it. And then I'm going to talk about the different solutions uh, to distribution transactions because there's... That's the beauty of software engineering. There is no one way to solve a problem. There are many, many, many ways. And that's what makes us really, really a creative endeavor field. If you're a software engineer, you're and you come up with solutions, you're a create you're like an artist, man. Just yeah, you're an artist because coming up with creative solutions to software engineering problems, it's it's an art. Whether you like it or not. So I respect anyone, that whether the solution is bad or good, it's an art by itself. You don't look at a painting and you say, oh, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not the right painting or that's, that's a wrong painting. You don't, you don't say that, right? It's just, it's an expression and I like it. That being said, let's just jump into it. All right, so why does distribution, distributed transaction exist, right? So what is this thing? Before we jump to distributed transaction, Let's briefly take some time to talk about transactions in general. I made a video about transactions and ACID and all that stuff. I'm going to reference it right here. Go check it out. I really recommend you to understand these basics. I think every software engineer needs to understand what ACID is. Atomicity, consistency, isolation, uh, durability. So that's why, that's why I made a full course, almost video, one hour, talking about these things. It's, it's a very critical topic to discuss. That's the first thing, right? A transaction is, and I'm going to take the example that I'm seeing all the time, is this order payment kind of a thing. Let's say you're you're building Amazon or building some application that does ordering and payment, okay? And uh, it's a web application, so you have one web server or web, web framework, maybe a Node.js application or, or a PHP application that does the whole thing for you, right? You submit a request, a REST call maybe, or, or GraphQL. And you say, 
hey, I am, I wanna, I have these in my cart, I wanna buy the stuff, right? So what does buy the stuff mean? It means that submit an order, charge my credit card, and update the order, and email me with the order details, and when it's gonna be shipped, and all that jazz. All right, how do we do it today? Very simple, very elegant. We figured out back in the 70s how to do this transactions, right? In an atomic manner. That means all of these updates have to happen at the same time or none of them happen. Otherwise, we lead into these inconsistent states which are bad, okay? Quote and quote, bad. Not bad for every application, but bad in this case. All right, so how do we build it? Well, I am going to receive the request. This is, oh, oh, someone want to buy these uh, items. So I'm going to insert these items into, into uh, I'm going to create an order. I'm going to create a bunch of items, right? Insert these items into the order. So there's a row and there is another, maybe another table, order items, whatever. And then item one, item two, item three. And I'm going to update the status of the, uh, of the order saying, oh, this is initialized now. And then I'm going to go ahead and charge my the the payment method hey you're using mastercard okay charge it if it succeed i am going to move in and uh, d uh maybe estimate the delivery say okay it's gonna take a week to deliver and then i'm gonna update the order status to paid because that's another update statement so the first insert 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 uh maybe insert the payment method because i, I has committed it uh, I just inserted it, not committed yet. And then I update the order. And then finally, because the payment, all of these statements are now true and correct, I'm going to commit, right? And this is a whole bunch of atomic operations now. This is one atomic operation, one transaction, okay? Work, one unit of work. What? And that, that's it, right? What happened if the payment failed? Well, the payment failed. I want to roll back the whole thing like the order didn't exist. And just email the user, hey, payment failed. I'm not going to even submit the order because your payment didn't charge. So why, why, why would I create an order? It's just useless, right? So that's, that's the atomic operation, right? And you can do all of that stuff because all of this work or methods or this is the same process that is running it's either a web server running or maybe even if you're in a client server back when right <laughs> client server application you still you have one process running and it's doing this thing and the tcp connection between you and the database is one tcp connection dedicated for this transaction easy peasy right we figure out how to do that meet microservices Microservices came in and says, no, these big applications that does too many things are bad because they do not scale. Because we cannot, uh, we can, we don't have the luxury of picking up my own languages as team. All the teams are forced to use the same programming language. And these hip kids these days like to use JavaScript and Rust and, 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 what other cool uh, languages these days? Go, yeah. Everybody used to learn new languages, right? So no. So meet microservices. Let's break things up. We have problems with that. Obviously, I discussed most of these problems. Okay. This side, right? Microservices. 
why it's good, why it's bad. But regardless, it's there. It's here to stay, microservices. It's painful, but it gives you some advantages. So let's discuss what problems arise with microservices. Well, come back to this, my ordering, carting, Amazon-y kind of like system. Well, the order code should live in its own service. Well, let's spin up an OJS service and spin up an order service. And this is just for creating orders. And the payment service is a completely different team, right? Yeah, maybe you outsource it to, I don't know, Square or, or, or Stripe or something like that, right? So that's another service itself. And then, which is kind of useful, right? You can see the benefits of this. And then, uh, I don't know, the the shipment is another service. And, and you can see now these are now not one process. They are multiple processes. So the order service, even if all of them talk to the same database, you still have the same problem. But most of them now, with microservices, have their own flavor of a database. So the order could use Postgres, and 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 uh, and the the payment could use MongoDB, and and the shipment could use ah uh, Cassandra. Who cares, right? And and good luck making one transaction between all these three databases. It's impossible, right? So yeah, even if it's one database, it's impossible to make a transaction single transaction that you can roll back if something failed, right? So now let's run through our scenario. I submit a beautiful order, I go to the order service, right? Assuming there is a, some sort of an ingress or reverse proxy that receives that thing and funnel and fan out request accordingly, right? Depends how it's done. There are many ways to do it. But I go ahead and submit that order. So that order will say, okay, order created, succeeded go back now submit the payment it's a code i'm the reverse proxy by the way order succeeded go do the payment succeed good come back do the go ahead and do the shipment succeed email the customer so that's that's three transactions right it's not one transaction but logically in the vernacular it is one transaction to the user who who cares the user doesn't know what you're using doesn't know he doesn't know she doesn't know that you're using a transactional microservices backend who cares right so you're doing that and what happened if the payment now fail oh payment failed rollback tough luck you cannot roll back because that was a commit that order actually committed to the database right and now you have to tell the order oh by the way the payment failed so hey order can you just roll back there was no rollback so you have to do these ugly things that's compensating edits, right? So it's like, oh, order, delete the order. Actually do a physical delete to, to go ahead and delete the order, right? Which is kind of expensive because now you have rows in the database that you're doing, that you're making the database do multiple work, right? Obviously it's not, it's not much, but still it's work, right? And if your database actually having, uh, it's an LSM tree, so all of these actually was, entries that in, the, in your database so you will see them in your ssd drive or wherever so it's expensive nevertheless right go back and do all those things so it's that's the problem that's why distributed transactions was invented my god 11 minutes to just to, to get to the point right <laughs> that's why i cannot do this stuff in youtube stories guys it's very hard and you guys told me, like, you want this content uh, pulled from the YouTube story and actually made into a video. So that's why I'm doing it. 
Let me know if this is a good idea, if you like it or not, if the content is boring or... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to make it as entertaining as possible. Software engineering is not attractive for everybody, but that's why we have distributed transaction. Now let's jump into the solutions. What can we do to fix Dane, this thing? Okay, what, can, what problems can we solve? Well, we talked about one of them. Let's talk about the best one, which is Google have invented, right? which is called Atomic Clocks, right? Google decided that all of their database using, uh, they have a database called Spanner. And all of these databases have, they, they, they have the same exact time, okay? And if you make a transaction, they know exactly what order of these transactions that happened, right? So they know because the time is so accurate. They nailed the time to the millimicrosecond, maybe. I don't know the details about that. And they are using Atomic Clock to actually synchronize all the databases so that you can actually physically do a transaction and roll it back because you know the steps, right? So they figured it out. I don't know the details about that, but that's how they do distributed transactions. Okay. The another method... Obviously, no, not everybody is Google and nobody afford uh, atomic clocks. So what the other solution is, do this compensating edits, right? Which is, we talked about it. Create an order, do a payment of the payment failed, come back and go actually delete the order. So just for each operation that you do, reverse it, reverse it. You have to write the reverse. A lot of work for you, very complicated logic to write. But it could happen, but very prone to bugs, I think. So that's one way to do it. The other way, instead of just doing this, having one process do this stuff for you, which is also prone to failure, because if this process dies, ugh, you lost your, 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 you'll be in an inconsistent state, which is bad. The second one, which I like a lot, the eventing model. So the eventing model coupled up with the, uh, with the what it, what's my call? With the with the compensating edit model. So yeah, use Kafka or RabbitMQ, and when you publish, when you create an order, the order service actually writes to the queue or the public or a Kafka topic. And I, by the way, I talked about Kafka. Check it out here. It writes to a topic. It says order has been created, and people people. Services listen to this topic and says, oh, order created. It's my job as a payment service to pick up this order that I created and start to pay it. And if it paid it, what it does, it says, okay, if it pays successfully, it writes another topic, says payment order paid successfully. So the shipment service will listen to that and will start listening to that and pick it up the order. And if the payment failed, it will write another topic. It will always write the topic and says, hey, payment failed. And the order service actually listens to the payment and to actually delete that. I think this is more elegant, event-driven architecture. A lot of people talk about it. I think it's a beautiful design, to be honest. And it's, 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 a, it's a really nice, elegant design to do this thing. And Kafka, I see Kafka with distributed transaction. People a lot move. Uh, people are moving towards this architecture a lot because it's very elegant and nice. Right? It's, it's kind of de- has a, has its own decoupling kind of a thing. Right, you still have the Kafka queue or or uh, the broker that does all that stuff, but a little bit complicated your stuff because you you have to manage the Kafka, 
is to hack one database. But And the final solution is, believe it or not, go back to the old days, merge those dang services that are supposed to talk to the same database and they are supposed to be homogeneous transactions in the same database, in the same service. So go back to a mini monolith or a macro service. So a macro service in general, right? Or a mini monolith, whatever you want to call it. So the order and the shipment and the payment becomes one service again, right? But still, it's not, it doesn't include every other things like shopping and cart service and, 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 and the product uh, search. And it doesn't include all that stuff, right? It includes all the stuff that editing kind of does the touching the database in a transactional manner. So these are three methods that people are using to ensure distributed transaction. And when you say distributed transaction is, is a transaction that spans multiple databases or spans multiple services, multiple processes, not just, and when you say processes, doesn't have to be multiple services on different computers or different containers. They could be multiple processes in the same machine. Still, that's kind of distributed in the main way. It's not really horizontally distributed, but well, you can still, you cannot achieve multiple transactions with, from different processes anyway. So that kind of fall on the same track. Let me know if that was useful. Um, let me know if I said anything wrong or correct me if I said anything uh, that doesn't really sound right. I'm not really sure about the Google Atomic Rock. I need to read more about it, to be honest. But uh, that was a summary of uh, distribution transaction. What do you think, guys? Would you rather use a monolith and simplify your life? Or would you rather sacrifice and go to microtransactions and figure out how to do distributed transaction and figure out how to uh, minimize your latency because now you spread things. Now you have network calls. You have to figure that out. And you have to also figure out how to debug your applications because debugging is hard as well, <laughs> right? Because now debugging is no longer, ah, put a breakpoint, nah. It's not, it's not the same thing, right? It's, it's You have to put a, attach a, break debugger to this service and you need to nail which exactly which process to attach it to and also go to the other service and attach the debugger and god knows that you hopefully you have one service of each one instance of each service so you can nail debugging is hard so datadog and other uh, providers and vendors are coming up with solutions like uh, tracing and 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 all that stuff right to minimize simplify these kind of things but still microservices, Kubernetes, you have to do Kubernetes, you have to manage all these dang containers, right? So there, yeah, I'm, I'm just very interested to see what, where will microservices lead us, right? It's a great architecture. It's good to talk about it. It's a really beautiful thing for nerds like us to nerd on, right? Just talk about microservices in general, but I don't know if it's feasible for every single one of us who want to build like Jenny who want to build a donut shop does it really does she really need to spin up like a Kubernetes cluster to host her static website probably not <laughs> yeah I just like I'm just interested but the Googles and the Twitters of the world and then the Facebook of the world yeah they probably need this kind of 
microservices distributed so they can scale to the billions, right, of requests. Yeah, I'm just very interested to know, like, how much would a monolith... I know Twitter reached a stage where they had to break down their microservices, uh, their monolith, they call it monorail because it was built on, on rails, right? Because they couldn't scale it out, right? They that monolith was so big, spinning it up was so slow and 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 just slow. It doesn't, it couldn't keep up with the request, especially back in the World Cup 2010. Was it 2000? Yeah, 2010. I just remember every time one of the Germany will score a goal or or any any team will score a goal, people will tweet, "Hey, goal!" And the moment they do that. Twitter goes down immediately because this flux of right just comes off all over the world at the same exact second, millisecond, right? So they would just, okay, let's let's just spin up more VM, let's spin up more VM, but they couldn't keep up spinning up more VMs, just spinning a single VM to host this monolith just take a couple of seconds. And by the time it's spin up, it already filled up with the request, so... They needed to break it down into microservices so they can scale the part that actually is busy instead of scaling the whole application that is not. Like, I mean, nobody's updating their profiles in the World Cup, right? Right. The profile service just remains like in the single instance, whereas the actual rights service, whatever it's called, the tweet service, will will receive more instances, right? So that's essentially the way the, how they did it. And they did it very smartly, okay? All right, guys, uh, that's it for me today. Hope you enjoyed this video. I'm going to see you in the next one. What should I talk about next? Tell me in the comment section below. Give it a like. Subscribe if you didn't. And see you in the next one. You guys stay safe. Stay awesome.